Jonah chapter two. Jonah chapter two. Suffice it to say, no doubt we have, uh, many of you know this, this story frontwards and backwards, especially if you work at RCC Vacation Bible School, because <laughs> it's either Moses, Noah, or Jonah. That's what we're basically, we do that, that trio. Sometimes the disciples get to fit their way in there, but it's mostly Jonah. And of course, we, we know the basics. I trust you know the basics. And, uh, but, but the Lord has uh, shared with us some things and hopefully we can um, share with you what God's laid on our heart for tonight, the way he would want it. Jonah chapter two, the first three words are our text. Then Jonah prayed. That's it. Then Jonah prayed. This book, it's really short. You can go home and read it this evening. Uh, probably out of all the books in the Bible, probably ends the weirdest out of any book. It ends with a question. It's very, very different. Almost like there's a, a missing piece that never gets answered. But uh, it's, it's basically, if we can sum up the word that would describe what Jonah is all about, it simply is forgiveness. We could actually even include long-suffering uh, when it comes to God and, and to us. Um, I, I hate math. I'll, and I, know I have a point, I promise you this. Always have hated math. My dad loves it. He's a st- statistic. I see, I, I hate it so much, I can't even say the word. He loves stats. <laughs> loves to keep records. I, I just, I don't like math. My nephew, Noah, is, is the same, falls under the same category. He loves math. Um, but I didn't like it. I, I had a great teacher, though, at Minford. His name was Ken Knorr. He was a great math teacher. And back in, back in the day, uh, Calvin Ray has referred to this a lot, and I'm, I graduated in 93, but even in the early 90s, we didn't have whiteboards. They were just coming along, uh, but we still had chalkboards, and we still had to clean the erasers, Cal. And... Uh, we uh, we had you know Mrs. Patterson did so well Denise sorry it's I can't do it I'm it's a respect thing but it, she was Mrs. Patterson for most of my life and you come here and she wants me to call her Denise but it's very hard to right Mifford students you know what I'm talking about so she would take the the chalk and make her sentence you know her lines her staff and all that and not staff that's band but anyway she would write things and uh, submit and she was a great teacher but we had chalkboards and, uh, and sometimes Mr. Knorr would allow us to go up and complete a problem on the chalkboard. Most students would, re- would love this, give them an opportunity to give a right answer and to have the teacher admonish them and say, great job. I, on the other hand, we all had to take a turn, right, Cal? Everyone has to take a turn. So I had to take a turn, and regardless of how easy it may seem, uh, geometry I didn't do too bad because it involved, had pictures and stuff, so I did a little bit better that. But when it comes to solving 
arithmetic and, and algebra. I just had a difficult time. But one thing about Mr. Knorr, even though I got the answer wrong, he didn't kick me out of class. You know what he did? He gave me an eraser and allow me to clean it off and redo it and show me how to do it properly. I'm thankful that God has an eraser. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, when we mess up, when we get the problem wrong, he don't kick us out of class. He allows us a second chance and a second opportunity. And, and so thankful he did that for Jonah. And this, this story is, is, is a wonderful story of forgiveness, but notice here in the text that I read to you, it says that Jonah prayed. Then Jonah prayed. Well, why did he pray? Well, it's the previous verse. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I'm sure that if you were in the belly of a great fish, which Jesus called it a whale, so we know it's a whale, that you would be praying too. So he, he prayed. But, but if, we, if we read over this quickly, we'll miss the miracle in verse 17. Because it says, now the Lord had prepared. He didn't say he was preparing or that he even prepared. Hopefully, Mrs. Patterson, I have this correct. This is in the past perfect tense. I was right, yes, yes. Got something right. It's in the past perfect tense. That meant before Jonah even decided to go a different direction, God had already had a fish prepared for him. And listen, you, ought to better, you better be thankful that he had prepared this because it kept him from dying in the sea. Sometimes we forget about that. He was drowning in the sea, but God had made a way that he would survive even though he made the mistake. I'm glad God's solutions are always older than the problems that we face. God has a way out. He has an answer. Before we even get into trouble, he has a way that we can get out of that trouble. Aren't you thankful that he prepares things for us? He prepares it in the past. Before we, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God had already made a plan for men to be redeemed. It was called the, the Son of God. Aren't you thankful? Hallelujah, that he has the solution before the problem. He sees what we don't as they sing tonight. And then it says, then Jonah prayed. I've said this before, but it, it, it's worth repeating. Sometimes the worst place to be is the best place to pray. And as far as Jonah's concerned, this is the worst place for him to be. But it says, then Jonah prayed. The key word in those three words is not pray. The key word is then. Then Jonah prayed. You say, why is that the key word? Because Jonah was in direct rebellion and he was doing in chapter two what he refused to do in chapter one. Let's do a, a, a quick recap. You'll notice that he was running from the presence of God and he was on the ship and the, and the ship and the, the sea was tumultuous and they began to call upon the Lord and they, on, upon their gods. They, come, they wanted everyone to pray to whoever they would pray to. But Jonah refused to do so and went to sleep. 
He tried to sleep. They said, what are you doing? You need to pray. And he refused to call upon the name of the Lord. But here in chapter two, it says, then Jonah prayed. What changed it? Ask me, ask me the question. What changed it? Say it. What changed it? Thank you. Here's what changed it. He had a breaking point. He had a breaking point. And the breaking point happened because of the direction he was going. In in, in chapter one, verse three, it says, and he went down to Joppa. And it also says, and he went down into the ship. In verse five, it says, Jonah was going down into the sides of the ship. He was going down even further. Then he went down further when it says he fell fast asleep. And then you'll notice it also says that in verse 15, they threw him overboard. So now he's going down even further. And then in verse 17, it says he was in the belly of a great fish. So he was even further down into the sea. Every point in his life because of his rebellion was going in the wrong direction. And my friend, let me give you a warning. If you choose to rebel against God, you will always go down in that direction. And so here he was, he was in direct rebellion. His life got so low that he had a turning point and a breaking point. And the breaking point was this, then he began to pray. Some of you are here tonight, no doubt. The main reason why probably most of us are here is because we love the Lord and are thankful for what he's done for us. We're thankful that he saved us and given us a hope. We're thankful for that and that's why you're here. But there are some people that are here that are at a low point in their life. They need a turning point, a breaking point. They need to understand that the direction they are going is not the direction God wants them to be. They may be rebelling, they just be at a a low spot in their life and and the devil may be on your back saying there's no use. Why why, why would you keep coming to church when you don't find the help that you need? But may I remind you, the devil is a liar. Jonah was refusing and he's rebellious. He had an arrogant, rebellious spirit, but God allowed him to face the, the end side of a whale to get him into a turning point, into a breaking point. And you notice, hallelujah, it says, then Jonah prayed. And some of you, God is allowing things in your life. And and listen, and and I don't mean to to, uh, say that you are arrogant, but sometimes God allows things in our life to break us down, to get us to where we understand. If we don't call upon him, we will never have an answer. But let me just say this, there are people that are arrogant and have attitudes and God knows how to break those spirits. And if you don't stop with your arrogant attitude, child of God, because children of God have arrogant attitudes sometimes. If you think that you can't, you know, this church can't survive without you, God has a way of putting you in the belly of a fish. Well, moving right along, you sure like that, don't you? You say, where was he? How do you know he had an arrogant attitude? In verse three of chapter one, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Only a prideful man would run from the presence of God. He thought he could do it himself. He thought he could escape. May I remind you, if the presence of God is after you, 
You can go as far as you want to, but you will always be found. The presence of God knows where you're at. Our Sunday school teacher Tim said this morning, and he read in the book of Psalms that you can't escape the presence of God. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I fly to the wings as eagles, you are there. Listen, you can't escape him. You can run, but you can never hide. And as he was there, he had this breaking point. It says, then Jonah prayed. What happened? What happened to him? Number one, notice this, and just three things, and we'll go home. First of all, he had a refocus. He refocused where he was at in his life. Look at what it says in verse four of chapter two. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. I will look again toward thy holy temple. He was in the belly of a whale, but he had church on his mind. I know you know this, but there's no windows in the belly of a whale. But here he was in the midst of the lowest point in his life and what he was trying to run from, now he was seeking. In chapter one, he was fleeing from the presence of God and now he was at a breaking point in his life and he's like, you know what? I made a mistake. What I was trying to run from, I actually need. When are we gonna realize, folks, the worst thing we can do when it comes to low times in our life is to run from the presence of God. And I know every, and listen, I don't, I'm gonna keep, the, keep bringing this up, but Everyone grieves differently and everybody mourns differently. And I, I can't say if I was in the same shoes of the Stiles family that, that I would have done what they did. I don't know. I, I've never been there, so I can't say it. But listen, what, didn't it do something to you all when, when they walked into this place on a Wednesday night after they had just uh, you went through that with their son and they come down the aisle with their hands raised to an almighty God? Didn't that do something? The, the easiest thing they could do would have been to stay home, but they came and sought for the presence of God. There's nothing greater than to be in his presence. Boy, it did something for me. I know it did something for everybody else too. What he was running from, he realized he needed to run to. He had to refocus. Secondly, he needed revival. Look at what it said in verse six. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hath thou brought up my life from corruption. O Lord my God. That word corruption means destruction. This is where the revival comes in. He saw himself as dead. That's the reason why he threw himself overboard in the first place. He already thought he was a dead man. And now he's in the belly of this well, not knowing exactly what was gonna happen. He saw himself as dead, but then he prayed. And when he prayed, he realized that he needed a revival. He got to the breaking point. He got to the turning point of his life and he realized no matter what happens, if I survive this, God has brought me out of destruction. He has saved me from death. I was a dead man, but he's brought me back to life. Aren't you thankful we were headed straight for devil's hell but we had a head on collision with the Holy Ghost and he brought us back to life hallelujah what happened what caused this revival 
I'll tell you what caused this revival. He owned up to making the bad choice. Oh, we pray for revival. We say it from our lips, but we don't mean it with our heart. Because if you do, you would own up to the fact that you've made some bad choices in your life. Jonah made a, bad, Jonah made a terrible decision. He made a terrible choice. But if he was like most people today, he would blame everybody else but himself for the choice that he made. Well, the preacher didn't preach it right. Well, the singer didn't sing the right song. Well, my Sunday school teacher didn't tell me. They want to blame everybody else for their sin and for their rebellion and for their demise and for whatever situation they're in. Listen, you'll never get revival until you're honest with yourself and realize you're the one that did it. You're the one that got yourself into that mess. It was your choices. We blame the devil for all of our bad decisions. We do. The gas tank's almost on E. And we pass Speedway Marathon and BP. And we run out of gas. Oh, the devil caused my car to run out of gas. No, you didn't stop and fill your car up. Oh, the devil caused me to get a, a nail in my tire. No, it's the nail in your tire. It wasn't the devil. It's called accidents. We blame the devil for so much and he don't deserve it. You're the one that deserves it. It's your fault. And if you, I'm preaching right now, if you really want revival, you gotta understand you have made some bad choices. But irregardless of your bad choice, that's not a word. Sorry, sorry, Denise, I messed up again. She has told me that over and over again. It's not irregardless. Irregardless is not a word. It's regardless. Thank you. <laughs> Regardless of the bad choice, God still gave him a second chance. Why? Because he was honest with himself and realized he was the one. He's the reason why he's in the mess that he's in. And because of that, God gave him the second chance. He gave him a revival. He caused him to refocus. But notice this, look at the rejoicing. This is good. Verse nine, he says, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. He is in the belly of a great fish, a whale. And yet he says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Now we look at that and we read over it and think, oh yeah, thanksgiving. It's a day in November. No. In the, in the Hebrew, it means it's todah. It actually means to praise with arms extended. It means to sing a song with arms extended. So if you look at it that way, let's repeat that. I will sacrifice unto thee with a song of praise with my arms extended. He wasn't in church. He wasn't in a prayer meeting. He wasn't in a camp meeting. He wasn't in youth camp. He was in the belly of a fish. And he said, I won't let my circumstances take away the fact that while I'm in it, I can still praise the Lord. 
What you may not realize if you read over chapter two, I didn't, have to, I didn't want to bore you with, with all the verses, but just take, take my word for it. A lot of these verses in chapter two, he's quoting from the book of Psalms. He's referring back to Psalms in chapter two. You know what he was. You know what he was really doing. This psalm in chapter. This, excuse me. This uh, chapter two of the book of Jonah is actually song lyrics that he was repeating back to God. He said, "While I'm in this mess, I'm going to sing a song. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Lord, I'm calling out to you. I'm refocusing. I know I need to seek your presence. I know I've messed up and made a bad choice. And no matter what happens, I'm going to choose to lift my hands and praise you." I'm at the lowest point of my life but I will not let this break me I will not let this take away my praise listen you may be at a breaking point you may be at a turning point you may be at the lowest point of your life don't let where you're at take away the fact you can still praise the Lord hallelujah hallelujah ask me this question How do you praise in the belly of a well? Say it. Here's how you do it. He's in the belly of this fish. I don't mean to be gross, but let's be be transparent here. In the stomach is where all the digestive juices are. Everything that's inside of a belly should be broken down. But even though he was in the belly, he wasn't broken. (laughs) You know what he was saying? I don't like where I'm at. (laughs) I don't like that I'm in it. But while I'm in it, I'm still gonna praise because I could have been broken. I should have been dead. I should have been taken out. But what I'm in hasn't broken me. Why? Because I determined to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not thanking him for what I'm in. I'm thanking him while I'm in it. And then one of the great verses here in chapter two. And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah on the dry land. He could just said spit. (laughs) But he used vomited. Why? Why? because what had him bound and held in finally got sick of him. You notice that happened after he praised him? You notice that it let him go after he praised the Lord? You notice what was holding him back? Let him go after he praised the Lord? I'll say it over here. Don't you notice what had him held? Let him go whenever he praised the Lord. Have you caught on yet? If you're bound tonight, if you're low, if you think you'll never get up, lift your hands and praise and watch what God can do. Hallelujah. Depression will get sick of you. Disease will get sick of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm telling you what, the devil is a liar tonight, folks. He's trying to hold us back and hold us down. But hallelujah, we are the victor. We've already won. And how are we gonna do it? It's when we lift our hands in praise. How are we gonna get through it? 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Jonah prayed. Have you reached that point? This all could have been avoided. I'm glad God allowed it in here because it could have all been avoided if he would just answered what God was asking him to do. If he would just obeyed God the first time, he would have never had to mess with all that he went through. But even though he didn't, why did did God do that? Because Jonah's a lot like us. We're hesitant. Sometimes it's not even all out rebellion. It's just we're hesitant to do what God is asking us to do. He said, but how do I know the will of God? From how do I know it's him? The devil will never tell you to do anything that will promote the glory of God. The devil will never tell you to help somebody. Sometimes I know we feel like, well, maybe it's selfish motive. No, if there's anything that you're doing apart from yourself for somebody else for God's glory, I promise you it's not the devil telling you to do it. God says, he spoke to him. He wasn't obligated to come to him a second time, but I'm glad chapter three is in the Bible. But the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. I used to say God's the God of second chances, but Dan, I've changed my mind on that. He's the God of another chance. Because if he'd limit it to seconds, I would have been done a long time ago. Thank God he's a long-suffering and forgiving God. But the point is, have you reached that point where you need to call on him? Are you in the belly of a well and you need God to help you? If so, come and like Jonah, pray. 